0: You've reached the Onkin Radio Podcast. Nick Onkin here, exploring the world from creativity, consciousness, and everything in between to help you alchemize your life to its fullest expression. Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of the Onkin Radio Podcast. This is a Go Part 2 of the last episode with Reverend Brianna Lynn, who is also known as the encyclopedia of all kinds of amazing facts, um, especially back in the world of historical um, events and things like that around religious studies and outside of the religious studies, which I find absolutely fascinating uh, growing up in a Christian upbringing myself and you know, on my own journey. Uh, walking through a space of, of, of uh, I don't say debunking, but uh, walking outside and exploring the world outside of the truth that I was brought up to believe because there are so many other aspects and things that we can learn, different perspectives, different ideologies, different facts, different storylines, and Reverend Brianna is magical a magical magical human within the knowledge of these things, so if you haven't listened to part one, I suggest jumping back and listening to that one first, and then jumping into this. it was uh we had concluded our first part and then started diving into another conversation and just decided to start recording again. so this is the part two. if you don't know who Brianna is, she is uh, the founder of the orgasmic Oracle mystery school and um so many other things psychedelic she's uh it's, uh has a founded the earth temple uh psychedelic church she is just a a witch which we talk about which which we talk about in both episodes we talk about the witches we talk about the burning of the witches back in the day and what witches actually meant back in back in the day and why they're considered that so many interesting facts um so get ready to dive into this episode it's another great conversation and um Yeah, so many different things happening on the, so also don't forget to head over to at Nick Onkin on Instagram or onkin.co to sign up for the mailing list and we will be dropping some new things. I have a fun free masterclass on supercharging your personal brand to magnetic coming up here in the next few weeks. So you can jump into that via the email newsletter, or hit me up on Instagram, follow me on Instagram, and I'll be announcing that soon. So without further ado, I bring you the one, the only, Reverend Brianna Lynn, part two. (laughs) Okay, 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 okay. Okay. We're, We're back. We should have just never turned off the the microphone no we literally just had like five podcasts right now i know i know so we're just gonna kind of go into this because we got on this really great really great topic of person versus persona Mm -hmm. and fame and this whole dynamic so where do we leave off actually we're gonna have to rehash so people can hear what this what we're actually
1: right i i think the just kind of the crossover of our areas of interest study and and profession. Whereas what you're calling identity alchemy or what I call spiritual art is this conversation of how to bring forward our most authentic self in a way that shares our purpose, creates positive income, and also creates an income, money coming in for the work that we're giving into the world. And we were talking about how fame or or this idea of, of star power has been something that's been in art for quite some time, for, for a couple hundred or thousands of years now. But there's this new wave within, I'll call it the spiritual industry, <laughs> of brands or individuals or people creating a persona that they brand and sell to the world that can be quite problematic. And I asked you if you knew of someone named Psalm Isadora. Mm -mm. She was a dear friend and a teacher of mine. She taught Tantra. She was the first million-dollar coach that I knew. Um, She was one of the first major hires for Mind Valley. Incredible human. Uh Um, She'd walked around India barefoot and had lived a very challenging life and was very authentic in many ways. In, I believe it was January 2017 or 16, I can't remember what year, But over the New Year's of that year, she committed suicide. Oh, wow. And this was a woman who, in my mind, as a mentor, as a teacher, had made it. Mm -hmm. Had created that fempire, if you will, right? Like, (laughs) pussy priestess, wealth vibe. She was like the original pussy priestess of wealth and tantra and sexuality. Right. And if you look her up, she's stunning, beautiful, inside and out. But she had this aspect of self a self-concept, a person, that she felt like she could not show to the world or to anyone. Her persona had grown to a size that the gap between her persona and person had become so painful Mm. that she took herself out rather than asking for help. Wow. I believe Twitch, my dear friend, the dancer, did something very similar,
0: Mm. where
1: his persona, Sean's person, was deeply depressed And had been for many years and had dealt with chronic challenges of being a black person in modern day society and not feeling like his stardom had place to really express what that meant for him and his children. And this persona of being, you know, Ellen's DJ and this class, a top choreographer in the world, the persona, the gap between the persona and the person had gotten so wide. That it was easier for him to take himself out than address the, that what needed to be addressed. And I say this with so much compassion because I've been there. I've been in places where, whether it was my academic persona or my spiritual persona, or when I was teaching yoga and still throwing up on the side, like the space between my persona and my person has had a gap at many points in my life. And the only kind of relationships that I'm interested in now, (laughs) friendship or a moment relationship or a lifetime relationship or lovership or any kind of ship. I only want to be on an authentic ship. We're either helping each other bridge that gap or we're creating more of the gap. There's no other relationship. We're either creating persona or we're bridging the gap between person and persona. Mm. And that's, that's really the only black and white for me in this world, besides like treating people kindly is in this moment are we bridging our own gaps? It's easy to identify the gap in others, but can I bring more of what I think is my projected persona and who I actually am and how I actually feel in this moment? What actually turns me on and off in this moment and how I project myself? Can I bring that closer together by being in relationship with you or by being in relationship with you? Does it require me, whatever that means, quote unquote, to create more of a persona that I feel like will continue our conversation or continue the connection and keep Mm. these parts of my person hidden. Mm. I see that to be the majority of relating on our planet in general, across all spectrums, whether you're in corporate America or in spiritual America. I notice that this provocateur of the persona is utilized a lot more than, than the authenticity and vulnerability that's required to name what's actually alive right now.
0: Mm, mm. So is, that, is this relating to narcissism in a certain sense? or
1: mm, So the way that I, in, in my research, and I specifically follow an incredible woman named Dr. Romani, and the way she speaks about narcissism is as a trauma response to a space in usually a young child's life where who they were as a person wasn't safe. And so they created a persona to project to the people outside of them an okayness that wasn't actually true. Mm. And that continued repetition of projecting that persona while the inner person was suffering either with feelings of being a victim or feelings like they needed to overcompensate by being a rescuer of the situation or feelings of self-loathing. Luna is just really honest again. I need you to come over here, Luna. Down, (laughs) down, stay. Or feelings of self-loathing by being the feeling like they're the perpetrator or the the cause of fault. So I'm going to give an example of each. So the person is feeling um scared because Dad is yelling. And so they make themselves the wrong one. It's not Mom whose fault it is. It's not Dad whose fault. It is it's my fault that Dad is yelling right now, or it's my fault that is happening. And I'm gonna go, hide in my room. And then when I come out to dinner, I'm going to pretend like everything's okay. Mm -hmm. So that is an activation of the self-perpetrator that then has the persona that everything's okay. Or I'm going to, Luna's all up in your face now. I'm going to um, step in and pull my mom out of the space while dad is yelling at her and pretend to be strong while she cries in my arms. Mm. That's the projection of the rescuer, the ego of the rescuer or I'm going to break down and, and feel like it's all, you know, it's dad's fault and he's a horrible person. And, and I'm just another victim here and mom's a victim. And so that's the the victim persona. Now, while it is not fun or, or okay, that any child be victimized, what we see in this scenario is through a survival response to a threat to one's life, they develop a persona that takes on responsibility in order to make it different in the future. Mm. That is when the persona is created. And the person is actually having feelings that cannot be expressed because if they were to express them, they could their survival would be in question. Mm. So the creation of person and persona is pretty innocent. But when that practice Happens again and again, either through that abuse or other forms of abuse, or they start to see that their persona can get what they want and the person doesn't have the impact of other people's response. So, for example, a persona can be created, and if someone likes or hates my persona, it's not going to impact the person that's actually inside as much because it's a creation. This was a way that I used to keep distance, specifically in romantic relationships. I would show a certain texture of my persona. And not others. And so when someone fell in love with me, there was almost like this nonchalantness about it in my Mm. world, because they fell in love with this projection that I had given of myself. And I was able to walk away really easily from people who were deeply in love with me in a very narcissistic way, Mm. because what I had created for them to fall in love with me wasn't even me.
0: How interesting. Right.
1: So that's my own reflection on learning on narcissism was like those ways that we project parts of ourselves so that our inner child, our inner self, doesn't get as hurt. The battle that we all have or the journey that we all have or the (laughs) the expression of spiritual art or identity alchemy or or authenticity is about bridging the persona and the person. Mm. What am I actually feeling right now? What is attractive? What is repulsive? What turns me on? What turns me off? What sensations are alive? What ones are dead? In this moment, Mm -hmm. in relationship to the thing that I think that I'm supposed to be being. That's the gap between persona and person. What is actually going on versus what it is that I think I should be in this moment. And the more and more we can bridge that gap, the more authentic we can be. Mm -hmm. In my experience, this is the only thing that's gonna bring us inner peace, is bridging that gap between persona and person. The reason why people feel so exhausted is because keeping up a persona that isn't fully expressing all of our person is fucking exhausting.
0: Yeah. It's like keeping up with the, your own Joneses.
1: Your own Joneses, and they're worse <laughs> than the Joneses outside of you.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because they like... know
1: all your little triggers and buttons, and they you know which names to call you, and they're so mean. <laughs>
0: exactly. Hey, but Josh knows. Josh knows. <laughs> Josh saves. Josh saves. Yeah, it's so funny because I have like, uh, well, you know, have you know the brand spiritual narcissist. Yeah. It's such a funny like. Like play on the whole thing, right? Like, yeah. I mean, that's why they made it. That's yeah. why they named it. That it was because of that archetype.
1: Uh huh.
0: Ma- kind of making fun of that archetype.
1: Yeah, pointing out the gap.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. The gap between. Yeah, it's like, how do you connect? How do you close that gap? You know, and then you bring it to a personal brand space, which is more more kind of like the identity alchemy piece, which is how do you show up authentically online that creates a space of magnetism, mm-hmm. so you don't have that gap. You know, it's like when when people, I think there's an idea of, right? Like when people meet you in person, and like for me, people are like, oh, you're just like you are on Instagram. And yeah. I, I try to like be as authentic <laughs> as I can to who I am uh-huh. and what I put out there. And I think that's kind of the space that I'm trying to help people get to, you know? So to create more alignment and more authenticity in with people in their yeah. personal brands. But yeah, closing that gap, like, How do you close that gap? How do we
1: close that gap,
0: right? (laughs) Like in the moment,
1: well, we can only close the gap now, right? It's not like a thing I do tomorrow or like, let me close the gap. It's like, what can I do to close? Is there anything in me that's being, like that I'm being in my persona about versus my person?
0: Mm. (gasps) How would you describe persona in like a real life setting, not necessarily in a, a social media setting?
1: A persona could be, Sharing something that I think you want to hear. Mm. When I'm organizing my behaviors based on my context rather than my authenticity.
0: Mm. It's a form of self-abandonment. Big time.
1: And of course, we want to be culturally sensitive or contextually sensitive, right? Like I'm not going to be going walking naked into a restaurant, even though my person maybe wants to do that. <laughs> I like being naked, and it has nothing to do with necessarily like sex. It's been something that I've had to negotiate since I was a little girl. Like I used to sneak on my bathing suit underneath my clothes before I'd go to school so I could like get naked in the bathroom but have my bathing suit on, like, at school. It was like a whole thing. Right. (laughs) So like that part of my person is not socially acceptable. So I've had to learn certain like social customs in order to not get arrested let's say. Right. Okay. Right. Just there's, there's that piece. And then there's the piece, especially when it comes to like attraction and aversion, which is where we as human beings can get really wonky of like, if I were to say the thing that names the attraction that I have to this person, or if I were to say the thing that names the aversion that I have to this behavior or to this feeling or to this hillside or this rock in my ass, if I were to name the thing that's actually alive in my senses, will that threaten my belonging? right? The persona is created in order for us to be safe and belong. None of us, I mean, I can't speak for all of us because there are sociopaths and psychopaths, which create personas for different reasons as for inherently manipulative reasons. I'm talking about the 96% of humans who are not sociopaths or psychopaths who have empathy and can feel other people and deeply desire to connect and belong. So it's not everyone, but for those of us who deeply desire to connect and belong, we usually create personas in order to connect and belong with what it is that i think you want right let me let me make myself into this thing that i think this person in front of me wants so that i can connect and belong with them and we can have an empathetic a shared experience and build memories and what is a relationship other than a slew of shared memories mm-hmm. that's really what a relationship is a slew of shared memories so in the attempt to be close to someone. I put a plexiglass in front of me and say, relate to me through this plexiglass so that you don't actually feel the pain of the person who I've never spoken to since I was three years old and is still crying in the corner. This is why shadow work and inner child work is so important, not only for our own inner peace, but for world peace and ultimately our relationships. Like our shadow work can't be only done seven months into our relationship when like the shit actually comes out. You know what I mean? It's like I've been dating this person for seven months. I had no idea that shit was in the closet. Part of the work of what I think (laughs) spirituality or bridging that gap is, is coming into deep relation with our humanity. Not only our light, not only the way we shine, not only like our greatness and our tools and our gifts, but like your shit coming into authentic, deep reverie, respect and, and, and reverence for our shit, for the shadow pieces, for the parts of us that want to be validated and seen. And because once we can name once we can name it, we can't shame it. Mm. Once we can name it to self and to someone else and be like, Ooh, Brianna has a tendency to self indulge in food when she's feeling emotionally vulnerable. Once I can name that and it's like, Oh, yeah, me too. Oh, yeah, me too. Oh, yeah, me too. And I see all the hands in the me too like raise up in the space. And I'm like, Oh, that's not such a horrible thing. That's not such an abnormal thing. And I don't have to keep that in the shadows and keep repeating that pattern. In silence, there's something that can loosen and open there. The more we can name it, the less we will shame it. And that's the place between person and persona. And the number one practice of authenticity is naming it. Mm -hmm. Naming what I'm feeling now. Naming what I don't want to name. If it comes up more than twice and I have a charge around it, either positive or negative, it means I need to name it to the person that I don't want to name it to. For example, like I've been staying at a house with some people and someone constantly, constantly moves my coffee cup and it's like it's not that big of a deal it's not even that big of a thing but I've had a charge about it and it's happened more than three times and like oh now I get to name it in family meeting of just like hey guys I have one coffee cup that I really love it's like the perfect shape and the perfect texture and like it fits in my hands and the warmth is just enough that it doesn't burn me and like it's perfect and when I can't find it at 6 a.m. in the morning, in the fucking kitchen, and all I want to do is drink my hot lemon water before I begin my movement, and I can't find it? I literally want to murder you! Like, naming that and showing my humanity, like, I'm not a put-it-all-together Zen master. I'm not a spiritual teacher who's transcended the fucking coffee cup. Because my identity, if I have that gurification of self, and I'm trying to transcend, like, oh, the coffee cup, it doesn't matter to me, then I won't say the thing that's actually real, and I've created more of a persona that's distanced from my person that just wants her fucking coffee cup.
0: Mm. It's
1: usually petty things that we are human animals need and want around our routine, around our maintenance, around our simple sensual joys. Naming those simple sensual joys and aversions help us get closer to each other in an intimacy that actually matters. It's intimacy.
0: Yeah.
1: It's seeing those little quirks. The weirdnesses of each other it's not the shine that really makes us fall in love with someone it's being with someone's shit and being like that's fucking quirky as fuck and i'm kind of into it too <laughs> that's the place where it gets really cool and intimate relationships right. is is the, the celebration of the quirk the celebration of the
0: kink the celebration of the kink
1: yeah
0: <laughs> the existential kink
1: yeah Like kinks in a hose, you know what I mean? And yeah, it could be sexual kinks, but it's like that part of your child who like your sister's always stole your fucking favorite coffee mug or your favorite little dish, right? Your sister's always stole that. So you having that now is good for you. And sure, I could meditate that away or ayahuasca it away, maybe. Or maybe that's just a fucking kink in my hose and that's how I'm gonna be. And I can celebrate that and ask for what I want and show you my humanness and not need it to mean that I'm not a Zen master. And you could be like, wow, I love you for that anyways. And now we have deeper intimacy because your fucking coffee cup happened. That is the juice. (laughs) That's the art of life I'm interested (laughs) in. Because your
0: coffee cup happened.
1: Yes.
0: That's amazing. Mm -hmm. It's like, who moved my cheese? Totally.
1: (laughs) Who stole my spirulina? You know?
0: (laughs) Move my cheese, move my cheese. Mm Yeah. Yeah. Create like leaving space for humanity to be human.
1: Yeah. Because that's actually what we are moved by. It's sure, have your big psychedelic experiences go for it make big dreams definitely be on big stages yes but actually what as human animals moves us the most Are those tiny little things like the way your lover's hands move when they're excited or the way that your mother used to kiss you before you go to bed or the way that a book smells when you open it and it's like more than 20 years old. Mm. Like those are the things when I've been with people on their deathbed, those are the things they're reflecting on, not their big moments of like champagne bubble moments. It's these subtle, repetitive, mundane things that actually make the life of art more than any of the other accoutrements that we measure by newtonian standards of what is greatness and success
0: right right yeah i mean it's so it's like that fear of judgment right so i mean for a lot of people like my, myself myself probably like the is kind of what i'm referring to here is you know i think growing up in the church and praising Josh yeah. um, and all he lives for, you know, there there was the judgment, no judgment. Yeah. And like that rides, you know, oddly enough, like I discovered this fear of judgment going through MITT and all this stuff, you know, by the way that my dad showed up to me and, you know, it was like, he'd get quiet and he'd be processing if we were talking about things outside of the word of God or mm. church or whatever. And then if we were talking about things in church, I'd say we, my sister and I, he would get super verbally affirmative. Mm. he be like, We'd light up, Yeah. light up. And so like I subconsciously walked away with that feeling like, Oh, well, if I'm not doing church stuff or talking about God, I'm a bad kid or I'm a bad boy. If I'm a, I'm a good boy, if I am. Right. And I just didn't even realize that I, that was the judgment that I felt, you know, it wasn't even his intention necessarily. It was just the way that he showed up mm. and he didn't know, he didn't know how to like handle it. He didn't know how to, like what to say Mm -hmm. or how to process it so he was processing and then he would just like go quiet and so interestingly enough i had discovered that and then a a few years later like the last couple years i started diving into the gene keys Mm. and my eq and my iq spheres both the shadow is judgment Mm. go figure yeah so it was written in the stars somehow Mm -hmm. (laughs) this was like one of the big lessons that i had got or needed to learn or get to learn yeah. in this lifetime. All right, my friend, I want to tell you about today's sponsor and it is one of my favorite brands, Organifi. Uh, as you know, I'm all about putting healthy things into my body and using different supplements and things to get the nutrients that I need uh, when I can't always have access to them through other means of vegetables and things like that. So one of my favorite uh, mixtures is something that I like to mix three of their products together. It's the pure, the red juice, and the green juices. And it's a power pack of nutrients in the morning. Um, So I've been doing this every morning. And what's been great is I've been taking it on my travels so that I can keep some daily nutrients with me, especially when it's a very travel schedule. I don't always have access to foods that I want to eat. Um, so it's a great staple great way to um, bring things on the road they have little travel packs too which is perfect so you can just drop them in mix them with water and they're delicious less than three grams of sugar uh, which is very very little and it's all organic either way no processed sugars uh, so the green juice which is great is just you get your daily doses your daily dose of nutrients that you need You just mix it with water. There's 11 superfoods like ashwagandha, morninga, chlorella, spirulina, turmeric, and much more. The red juice is a superfood berry blend that contains adaptogens, antioxidants, and a clinical dose of cordyceps mushrooms, which is highly, highly beneficial to you. There's 13 superfoods for energy support like beets, blueberries, acai, pomegranate, Siberian ginseng, reishi mushrooms, rhodiola, and more. So, it gives you a bunch of energy without the caffeine. Um, And then Pure. uh, Pure is about promoting gut health and the morning brain fog is very helpful. It promotes healthy BDNF levels and mental clarity. For those of you that don't know what that is, I didn't, I had to look this up, uh, brain-derived neurotropic... Factor. It's the key molecule involved in plastic changes related to learning and memory. So neuroplasticity, things like that. Uh, What's great, it's infused with lion's mane and coffee berry. Got baobab from an African fruit that contains 10 times the amount of vitamin C that oranges do. Got apple cider vinegar to improve gut health. Contains all kinds of other goodies like aloe vera, ginger root, monk fruit, digestive enzymes, and more. So you can go check this out, uh, Organifi.com. That's with an I uh, at the end, not a Y. And you can use the code Onken, O-N-K-E-N for 15% off at checkout.
1: It's interesting that it's in like your emotional intelligence and your mental intelligence, right? Like the way your brain processes information and the way your heart processes belonging is through the shadow of judgment. Yeah. It's fascinating.
0: Yeah. Which is also interesting as it relates to me as in my career as an artist, right? I was thinking about this earlier today. It's like I realized that judgment in artistry can also make you a great artist. Totally. However, the shadow of it is just dark and right. brings a lot of insecurity. It brings a lot of self judgment. Mm-hmm. It brings a lot of sabotage. It brings a lot of these different things into mm-hmm. the picture.
1: Yeah, it speaks to the quality of what we were talking about earlier of like you and me versus the issue versus me versus you. Like, I think there's something about judgment that gets a bad rap. You, me versus the issue, judgment is great. Like Minerva, Athena style judgment of like, oh, that's for me, that's not for me. Oh, that's for us, that's not for us. Like that type of judgment or discernment or whatever nomenclature we wanna put on it, that's important to be able to have. Let's judge this piece of art of if it's for us or not for us or if it's for the living room or not for the living room or if it's of the style that we wanna resonate with or not. That's cool judgment. It's when it becomes about identity judgment. That person is bad for creating this art that person is bad for saying this thing that person that type of judgment of identity versus behavior judge the behavior all day long yes yeah. that is not good behavior but understanding that our identity as satnam infinite oneness love that all is we can't judge that we can't right but we need to be able to judge each other's behavior and 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 when the more and more i bridge persona and person the less and less offended i am by people's judgment of my behavior or identity cuz i know who i am mm-hmm. and i present i present kind of where i'm at now like i've i've let go of a lot of my need to be personified through a very deep grief process where i literally couldn't hold up any persona mm. the grief was so heavy i couldn't pretend that i was feeling anything other than grief Everywhere I walked for almost two years. Mm. I couldn't walk into a restaurant and hear a certain song. I was on my knees. Complex PTSD overtook my nervous system. Wow. Where I would literally be in the grocery store and a song would come on and I would black out. And I would wake up in my car in front of the house that I was staying at, having no recollection of how I got there. Wow. And what was happening in my nervous system was this shutting down of my perception of reality because the way that I had separated what I was actually feeling from the way that I was presenting in the world was too deep for myself. And the the complex PTSD got activated when the reason why I was creating a persona was in the name of love of this other person. When the love of that other person went away, And all I was left with this gap between person and persona that was not authentic for me that I had created and that grief of not having that person there, that's all I I carried it around like a fucking cross. And it was so healthy for me because now I can feel when I start to create that gap again, because it's like a reach. It's like, oh, let me, let me ignite that conversation or let me, let me see if I can bring them back or let me see if I can, trying to create attraction or aversion, right? Mm. Because even negative attention is better than no attention to a child that feels abandoned. Right. So in relation drama or false attraction is created when that individual feels like the person isn't getting attention. So they'll use a persona to draw someone in Mm. through attraction or draw someone in through drama, drama or attraction feeds the same part of our brain. The part of our brain that receives love also receives negative attention Mm. in the same way. Our brain doesn't code it as good as bad. It just decodes it as someone's paying attention to me. Right. That's a good thing. Right. We get serotonin from negative attention. We get serotonin from positive attention. So understanding that about our brain and just deciding like, I don't think a persona is bad if it's intentional. Right, like I don't share everything on social media. I don't share like my intimate therapeutic processes. I have shared intimate things. I like to think of it like creating a, a persona that is authentic. That's like a thirty thousand eye view. Like we're in an airplane and I'm describing the topography of this hill that we're sitting on mm. right now. It's going to be true but it's going to be very different than you and I sitting here describing the texture of the earth as we're close to it. Like these are my intimate relationships, the texture of this earth. I can describe the texture of my earth and my close people. I can tell you the flavor of the breath of my best friend. Like I'm close with this bitch versus people on social media. They get a 30,000 view of me or of my life. It doesn't make it less true. It just makes it a judgment or discernment around who I actually let smell my breath, who I actually let into those intimate emotional spaces as a way of protecting ourselves and each other. Yeah. But it's still, it's still a version of truth. So when it's intentionally done for digestion, art purposes, and protection, it's good. When it's unintentionally done in the name of, I think the same thing protection and when that unconscious part of ourself is creating a gap between how we present to the world versus how we actually feel, that's when it becomes dangerous. And that's my definition of narcissism is the gap between persona and person in any given moment. Mm -hmm. The habitual unconscious gap between person and persona that hurts self and others, narcissism.
0: Mm, Yeah. 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 Bringing in the piece that hurts others that is that's the that's the space right there Mm -hmm. and so much do you think narcissism is developed like as a as a nurture
1: i mean from from what i've been studying in in the psychological realms there is a potential for like a lack of serotonin so these might be people who are more prone to depression Mm. or more prone to to Uh, some sort of manic disorders, but narcissism. So there's narcissistic behaviors, which we all have kind of like shy behaviors or antagonistic behaviors. Like these are descriptions of a personality. And then there's narcissistic personality disorder, NPD, which is a diagnosable by the DSW for like the, the, the book for psychologists to diagnose mental illness there's narcissistic personality disorder so i just want to make that distinction and name that i am a coach and a healer and a speaker and i do not have the authority to speak on this with like absolute expertise Mm. but as an academic and someone who um, has been with someone who was diagnosed with npd what i have found that is is within all of us is that tendency to want to either create closeness or space with someone that isn't authentically happening. Like I want to be closer to this person. I want to be further with this person and I'm going to do something to make that happen. And so those can be a little bit like narcissistic behaviors. And we all play with those just like we have shy behaviors or just like we have antagonistic behaviors. The personality disorder happens Similar to the way that I was speaking earlier is when someone is in an abusive cycle again and again and again, where they feel like they need to use their persona in order to protect their person. Mm. And so that gap between what they're actually feeling and how they're presenting that they're feeling or how they actually feel and how they're presenting their personality widens over time. And it's almost like we're standing on top of this mountain. We're literally standing on top of a mountain right now. We're standing on top of this mountain right now. And if you were to go one degree to your left and I was to go one degree to my right while we're standing up here together, we're still close. But if we were to walk down the mountain, where we would end up on the bottom would be miles apart. Right. That's narcissistic personality disorder. When they're younger, there's a one degree separation from person to persona. But the practice separation of those two over time end them up miles apart. So they can't even feel who they actually are anymore. They can't even feel the impact that their persona is having on people, positive or negative. They have a lack of empathy around the impact that their words and behaviors have on the people around them, Mm. and instead take on, usually, that they are the victim to everyone else's reality.
0: Wow, yeah, that makes a thousand percent sense. Yeah. How does one work through that? (laughs) Is that like a therapist, therapy situation?
1: I think part of it could be therapy. I mean, the thing is, is people with NPD My experience is that they don't see anything wrong
0: with what they're doing. (laughs) I don't even know. They don't even know,
1: and they can't feel the negative impact they're having on others, and they're not seeking feedback from the people around them. They actually don't have the capacity to feel, because their person is so far separated from their persona, they don't have the capacity to feel the negative impact that they're having on others. Mm -hmm. So do I believe narcissism or NPD can be healed? If the person who has narcissistic personality disorder can feel the negative impact that they're situation is having on others Mm. enough so that they say something needs to shift it has to be an internal process and therapy possibly like therapeutically or shamanically guided plant medicine time in nature but mostly being willing to hear the negative impact from the people who are closest to you Mm -hmm. being able to listen, like if your partner is telling you that you have some serious issues around receiving feedback, listen to them. The NPD or the person who's dealing with extreme narcissistic behaviors is going to project everything onto the other person. We'd mentioned this earlier, but like in a relationship where you're contributing 50% and I'm contributing 50% to make a hundred percent of the, we right. The third party entity that happens whenever two people relate for a moment, a lesson or a lifetime. We each create a third party entity over there, the we. I'm in charge of 50% of that. I'm 100% responsible for the 50% that I'm contributing. Mm -hmm. And you're being 100% responsible for the 50% that you're contributing. Someone with narcissism is going to contribute all 100% of the we to one person. And it's usually not them. Mm -hmm. It's usually the other person. You've done everything wrong here. And I'm willing to take five percent responsibility for my fifty percent. Until two people are willing to take a hundred percent responsibility for their mutually shared 50% of the we entity, there is nothing that we can do to move forward. In any relationship, if NPD or narcissistic behaviors is involved, that relationship needs to be something that's under a microscope, either with a therapist or a counselor or a mediator. That can help both individuals take 100% responsibility for their 50% of the we entity. So are there ways to heal it? Sure, I believe everything can be healed. Are NPDs going to be seeking it out? My experience, 100% of the time, is no.
0: Probably not. No. Because they're not even in the awareness.
1: No, and they're being victimized by the government, or they're the constant victims to all the women, or all the men, or all the black people, or all the white people, or all the these people. They're the constant victims to cultural standards, norms, and certain types of people that they've deemed the perpetrators.
0: Mm. Yes.
1: <laughs> we know people like this. I've, 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 I've had behaviors like this. I've had to check myself at times in my life, yeah, too.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and even as you say that, I'm like, oh, yeah, I feel like I've done some things here and there in within that space. Yeah. You know, maybe not the extreme space, but definitely have had that. That's like, it resonates. Yeah. <laughs> Moving through it. Moving through it you know, and
1: learning and, and understanding. I think the compassion that I've learned having gone through a relationship with someone who has MPD, the compassion of understanding that it comes from a deep trauma and then the boundaries that I get to have for myself of not being in that ego of rescuer. Like it's yeah. not my job to make them feel seen. It's not my job to take hundred percent responsibility for a hundred percent of the relationship and the people pleaser narcissistic behavior of like I can take care of everything like noticing how my narcissistic behaviors called it a narcissist has been the number one liberator for me and healer to take mm. responsibility for my peace and to not take responsibility for the things that are not my peace has liberated me a lot from the grief and the trauma of that time
0: yeah yeah, I feel that I was like kind of, that was what we were talking about earlier with this relationship that I was in. I was like taking responsibility for not my part, you know, thinking that I had to do more work to salvage to like, it was my, it was my responsibility that I couldn't handle this person in this relationship. So maybe I had something to learn. Right. To like be in it, you know, it was like, there was, I was like, well, we should see a therapist. And she was like, well, you need to see a therapist. I'm already seeing one and I won't see one together until you go see a therapist. And I'm like,
1: Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's not the 50 50 of the 100 100, right? Like, that's really where it's got to be, especially when we're exchanging sexual energy with people. Holy moly. That's like a whole other level of like, not only do I trust this person with my life, but like, can I trust them with my very delicate person, right? Like, I'm not, I'm choosing to not be personaed. I mean, you could still be personaed in sex if you're able, I'm not able to do that. I'm the kind of person that once I open up sexually to someone, it's like everything is out there. And that place of extraordinary pain that I've gone through when I realize that the person that I'm sleeping with has no interest in intimacy in that way, I think we just get to be a lot more judgmental. I'm going to use the word judgmental in the people that we open ourselves to. If they're not taking 100% responsibility for their 50% of what we're creating, don't sleep with them. Don't do that. Wait. Wait until someone proves to you that they're willing and wanting to yeah. be in that kind of relationship before opening up that way. I think that's where I see people get hurt the most. Yeah. Like, But they did this thing. And it's like, well, did they show you in other areas outside of your sexual relation that they're willing to take responsibility? Because we're all going to fuck up. We're not going to like do this perfectly. Totally. But are they willing to take accountability for when they do that?
0: Yeah, really. And it's the discernment piece. Mm-hmm. Maybe the discernment. Versus judgment. Mm -hmm. you think that's a different.
1: I think we've defined that kind of in pop spirituality. Judgment has been a not bad word for thousands and thousands of years. It's just recently have come into Uh, like, oh, it's bad to judge others. And it's like judge not lest you be judged except God judges everyone kind of vibes. It's let's not judge our identities not good or bad people, but understanding what behaviors are good or bad or what behaviors are for what we want to create or not for what we want to create, what behaviors are life-giving versus life-taking. Judge the behavior all day long. Right. Don't judge the person, but judge the behavior.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that's, that takes awareness and understanding and experience, and mm-hmm. it's all a process. We're all yeah. going through a process of learning how to like operate this human this human meat machine this
1: contraption this little <laughs> flesh puppet we've got
0: yeah we gotta take care of it it's so much maintenance so and much like maintenance. <laughs> maintenance and work and all the things
1: gotta feed it wants to pee all the time <laughs> gotta moisturize especially as i'm aging now i'm like i have to moisturize all the time like what is this lack of hydration in my aging skin what is this about
0: Gotta work it out, you oh my know? God. So like
1: <laughs> flaccid, flabby arms and shit. Just like fascinating things that happen with <laughs> gravity and aging. I'm I'm enjoying it quite a bit actually.
0: Gotta <laughs> like, work out more? What does that mean? What does that even mean? What does any of that mean? Does Luna know? Luna
1: is the teacher. I'm just here as her translator. I don't know if you've noticed that. She's actually the emanation of all wisdom.
0: Yes. So calm.
1: She's so calm. My wolf dog has just been sitting with us for hours as we giggle and pontificate and roll around the dirt here on this side of this Topanga Mountain and Luna. The white wolfie is just sitting here looking at us like, you silly humans. <laughs> if you just could lick your own crotch, everything would be so much easier for
0: you. <laughs> if We could all just lick our own crotch. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's true. You take care of it, hunger. Yeah.
0: Yep. What would life be like? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so how do we create from our our core and self express and through self expression?
1: That's a really good
0: question. I think we were speaking about it earlier, but.
1: For me, it's a practice of gratitude and like letting go of the victim's story and, and healing the places, speaking the things that I need to speak so that the victim no longer runs my show, speak to whom I need to speak things to so that I'm no longer holding resentments, and then I can live in gratitude for all that has been, for all that will be, and for all that is now. Living in my body, like feeling the cold of the wind right now, feeling the rocks on my body, feeling the texture of my shoes, feeling the taste of matcha in my mouth, like the smell of Luna, like the smell of you, like being in my body is an orgasmic experience. And having spent so much of my life trying to get out of my body, um, being in my body now is such an incredible way of bridging the person and persona, like just naming, like this this is what I'm feeling as sensation, not emotional feeling, but like sensation it's fucking amazing. And then deviance questioning the societal constructs that have been placed on us, gender, race, age, socioeconomic status, country, culture. Why? Who does this serve? What other more creative, more beautiful ways could we be doing money or education or medicine or environmentalism That combination for me is God, gratitude, orgasm, deviance, G-O-D, and Mm. that is my practice of bridging the gap of like, how can I be more in this moment? Is there any resentment that I need to clear in my world? How can I get more in my sensation in my body? And how do I question all the bullshit and all the things that I don't understand in a way that is artistic or in a way that brings forward more questions and less answers? That to me is the practice.
0: Beautiful, beautiful. Make life art. That is. Create. Create everything, create the moments, create awareness.
1: And I really want to be an advocate for like art, art is, it's just our participation with it. this tree is art, Luna is art, you are art, I am art, this moment is art, it's am I participating consciously with the art Mm. that's already happening? Sure we can create a painting, but that's a microcosm of the art that is this fucking blooming tree that's over our head, like this is amazing! Have you looked at the palm of your hand, like this art of the palm of my hand, this is phenomenal, like, So it's not about creating art in the sense of like pottery and poetry, although I deeply encourage that. Be the dancer that you are. Be the musician you are, 100%. But to acknowledge in every moment, art is what is happening. Mm -hmm. It's am I participating in it? Right. Am I consciously choosing to be a part of the art that is, the art that I am? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And that's the ultimate identity is I am art. It's not what I create. It's what I am.
0: Right. And art. Yeah, art is a verb, art is a a being. Hi.
1: We will move in just a little bit,
0: Luna, she's ready. I know, it's getting cold, isn't it? It is. Well, maybe we should wrap this this episode. Episode two, it's episode already been like two.
1: 42 minutes. It's <laughs> so good, Nick, we just keep on going. I
0: know, I know, so good, so good. Yeah, any final parting, parting words of wisdom?
1: words of silliness
0: words of silliness wisdom ah
1: yeah i just if if there's one thing that i could leave if there's one piece that i could like give to myself and to humanity besides luna not destroying your computer right now everything is perfect as it is and so is my desire that it be different Mm. that level of witnessing in my own person and persona, in my own ego, in my own shadow, in my own light, like this is all exactly as it's supposed to be. And so is my desire for more. So is my desire that my outfit looked just a little bit more like this, or that my voice sounded a little bit more better, or that Luna wasn't almost about to step on your computer, like that there's this space of learning how to be okay with everything as it is and also have capacity for my desire that it was a little bit warmer or that something else would shift or that there was a little bit more closeness or a little bit more distance that to me is like the ultimate practice of life as art
0: mm. beautiful on that note yeah great do an episode the second second part
1: Yay! in person
0: <laughs> in person on a mountaintop Thank you guys so much for tuning in to today's episode of the Onkin Radio Podcast with Reverend Brianna Lynn. I am your host, Nick Onkin. And if you enjoyed today's episode, I would love it if you could help us out by leaving us a good review over on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts at. Uh, just help us out greatly and if you want to share this episode you can do so over on instagram at nick onkin and at onkin radio and that's where you can also stay up to date on everything that's happening the new offerings and things that i'll be dropping here in the near future and don't forget about the free masterclass uh, that's coming up how to supercharge your personal brand to magnetic Uh, follow me on instagram and stay tuned for when i drop that And with that, you know what time it is. It's time to go out and create your life by creating every small moment. And we'll see you next time.